Day two is in the books at the British Open and a lot of cool stuff going on. This is going to be a great weekend. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf, the podcast. Thanks for joining me today on the recap of day two at the British Open. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, amazing stuff, really. And some historical data that I think is going to be pretty interesting as we go in to the weekend and what, you know, where the players need to be historically in order to do well going forward. But first and foremost, wow, uh, Shane Lowry played an amazing round of golf today and it could have been a lot better, honestly. If uh, some of the reports are that he actually on the uh, 17th hole, he had, a, he had the lead at one time. Uh, and going into, um, let's see, the uh, going into the 17th hole, he said that he actually heard a commentator in his backswing that kind of caused him to hit a, you know, a, a shot offline. And but he got a really good break. He was able to get a club on it and get it back up and get out of hole number 17 for a par. But, you know, it just leads to the discussion of, you know, where does that go? Could he have found the fairway and made birdie? And then he went ahead and, and bogeyed number 18 as well. But um, to, to fall back into a tie with J.B. Holmes for the lead, but still an amazing round of golf for a local, right? Um, Shane Larry is from Ireland. And um, he wasn't one that he was in actually the, interestingly enough, he was one of those that came up in the odds makers um, in the books, but not one that when you put all the data in there as well, um, looked like he would do very well. And I will say that a lot of the European players that have not played over in the States, um, their data can be a little skewed just because the PGA Tour doesn't have a lot of information on them. And Shane Lowry, for one, has been playing a lot more over on the European Tour. So um, very little data on him, which definitely skews the numbers. So we had him coming in like at 26th with the numbers, and he obviously is playing really well. Although his numbers are so strong, especially when we wait how he's played in the British Open the last five years, where J.B. Holmes has played so horribly, he didn't even make the top little bit. And he is obviously playing very, very well. So looking at I a couple things that stuck out to me today. One... Roy, Mac Roy McElroy put on a show, and I think it's impressive that um, with the embarrassment, obviously, of coming out and, and shooting a 79 yesterday in front of the home crowd after all the buildup of Rory going into this. And, and in the numbers that we were looking at, Roy, Mac Roy McElroy, based on all his play and his the historical finishes at the British Open for the last five years, we had him projected third. Um, with all the data being calculated. Obviously, he missed the cut, but only by a stroke. And it was an absolutely amazing effort on his part. Um, I think everybody kind of appreciated it. It was sad to see Darren Clark didn't make the cut either. 
Um, kind of a local boy. Um, um, anyway, it, it, it's been an interesting day, uh, for sure. But, and, and then, I mean, there's, there's just like Nate Lashley came so close and missed a putt and, and missed the, uh, cut, um, by a couple. But yeah, it was a, a, a definitely an interesting day and one that I, for, for much of the day, I thought that Rory McElroy might actually, might actually get there. He was playing so well that he may actually work his way up and, and pull off some kind of a miracle to get back in there. But obviously he did not. He missed the cut by one stroke, but had the low round of the tournament with a, uh, with a 65. So really well done. Um, going 34 out and 31 and really thought that he had a chance to birdie that last hole. And had he done so, he would have uh, been able to make it, you know, make it on the, on the nose, but he did not. Uh, one of the things that's sort of gotten um, at me recently, and, and, and many of you that have listened to this, uh, to this podcast in the past, that, that I have a problem with, with some of the commentary that comes from Brandel Chambly because he has strong opinions and he's paid to have strong opinions. And I'm okay with that part of it uh, usually, but when he references data, he doesn't do it in a very responsible manner. And he um, doesn't necessarily look at it in the right way. Data and stats can be manipulated um, quite easily to kind of prove your point. And I don't even know if he necessarily knows that he's doing it. Um, but sometimes he references data and puts his own spin on it. And that kind of stuff does bother me. Um, that all being said, he came out and said yesterday that Rory McIlroy 79 was nothing more than choking. And I, I have a hard time with the word choking because choking can be such a relative word. What does choking mean? It means not performing up to one's ability. Is that what it means? Um, and I think that that's what he's trying to say it means. But I don't find what Rory did yesterday to be choking at all. And, and I don't think that you can look at it in a negative way at all. It just, the moment was too big. Um, Rory felt a lot of pressure. And uh, sometimes when we do that and we feel the pressure, we try to take over our golf swings and we try to consciously make it happen. And golf is a very strange sport in that regard, in that the more we care about it, the bigger the moment is, the more we want it, um, the greater the chance that we're not going to be able to perform. And uh, so it's, it's hardly choking. It's literally a case of Rory caring way too much and getting caught up in his own mind about what needs to get done and trying to to control too much of it. I think today what you saw was Rory McIlroy realizing that, that um, it was gone and he kind of let go and just went with it. And his natural ability came through and played beautifully. He, he, he played masterfully today. So I was so proud of, of how he played and, and how he showed up and that he did. Another guy I got to say that I'm super, super proud of is David Duvall. Now, he finished plus 27. He had a horrible tournament. He's a past champion. Um, but, I mean, his round two, he turned in 44. And you'd think, hey, you know, cash it in. That last nine he played, one under par. He went, he went, he turned in 44 and finished with a 34. 
10 strokes better. And that's after a round one in which he shot a 91. Um, just, he sort of bookmarked his entire uh, tournament with two, he started with two birdies and then went out with a one under par 34 for a total of 27 over. And I, I just thought it was spectacular. So hats off to David Duvall for just sticking with it and, and playing the last nine and one under par, even after the previous three nine, the previous 27 holes were a disaster. Uh, I just, I just was super impressed with that. And finishing dead last, who cares? He finished. He took off his hat. He, I, I was awesome. I just thought he did a really, really great job and I was super proud of him. So, um, and I, now I feel bad for him that he has to actually go and, and, um, be with, with, uh, Brandel Chambly, right? For the next two days. Hopefully he gets the time off and he can just go home. But anyway, going into the weekend, a couple of things that I wanted to look at. We've got, we've got a lot of folks sniffing the lead, obviously, that have done well. Justin Rose is the guy that we predicted to do well based on the data. He's at minus six, two strokes behind the leaders, which is fantastic. He's in perfect spot. Really cool to see Lee Westwood up there, one stroke behind. Tommy Fleetwood, who has never done very well, also one stroke behind. You've got Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, right there. Three strokes behind, ready to pounce and go. Tony Finau, John Rahm. We've got a really good leader uh, leaderboard right now. But if you look historically back at the British Open, and I went back essentially back through 2010 and kind of looked where everybody had to be on average for the for the, the the winners to actually take home the trophy. And so at the end of the second round, if we go all the way back to 2010 and you look at it, um, the winners are on average within 2.25 strokes of the lead. Okay, so that takes us down to everybody essentially who's, let's say, five strokes and better, right? So Dylan Fratella, who, I mean, obviously just won, is amazing that he is in the mix, but he's in the mix. Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose, Justin Harding, Cameron Smith, who had a wonderful round of golf today, minus five. Um, really amazing. Um, you've got Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood, obviously Shane Lowry and J.B. Holmes up there at the top. So they are in position to do well. Now, what we're looking for tomorrow, and I think this has becomes more interesting, right? We're talking moving day. Over the course from 2010 until over the course of the last, what? I mean, how many, how many? Actually, I went back to the, excuse me, I went back to the year 2000, right? So we're looking at 19 years of data. Okay, so in order for, based on the average, the winner will be within one and a half strokes of the lead, okay? The furthest anybody's ever come back from is six strokes. So anybody within six strokes necessarily has kind of an opportunity, but it's really those that are one and a half strokes on average within the lead. So we'll be looking for that tomorrow for sure. Should be an incredible day. I love having major golf across the pond. It's completely fascinating to see how these guys are playing. And again, Royal Port Rush, unbelievable on TV. What a, I mean, that is, I hope they come back and it's part of the rotation from this point forward because it has been spectacular golf to watch. Really incredible. And I'm looking forward to an amazing weekend. I hope you are too. Aaron Stewart with, this is kind of the overview of what's going on. A very well played golf, golf. I mean, JD Holmes and, and Shane Lowry playing great golf, but there's a lot of really good players right behind them. This is going to be a fantastic, a fantastic 
weekend and a fantastic finish for sure. Anybody could win this thing right now. And there's a lot of folks in the mix. So until tomorrow, this is Aaron Stewart with Data Access Golf saying better data always means better golf. It'll be a fun weekend for sure. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.